Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us today by your word and your Holy Spirit confirms things to our hearts. I just pray as we open your word today that you would speak clearly to every person who's here right where they are, whatever's going on in their life. Give them wisdom and direction for this moment and things that will establish us in our faith in the future with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last two weeks, we've been in 1 Kings 17, and I was talking about seasons of life, how to navigate seasons of change. And we looked at really two scenes. We looked at Elijah when he made the announcement to the king that there wasn't going to be any rain until he said so, and the rain stopped. And God sent him to a brook where he provided for him until the brook dried up. And then God sent him to a widow's house, really out of the country. We talked about those two stories, and we looked at a lot of different specifics in those stories. Today, I want to change topics a little bit, but it it does kind of tie together. But I want to talk to you today about the voice of God, about the voice of God, about the fact that God really does want to speak into our lives today, especially in those times when we have questions and we're needing direction. But before I get into 1 Kings 19, I want to share just a few thoughts with you about the will of God. You know, the will of God for our lives is really an amazing treasure. It really is. And I, and I value so much God's will for my life. But we need to understand that God's will is not something that he's trying to hide from us. You know, I grew up in church, and I kind of had this stigma in my mind growing up. Well, God has a will for my life, but there's going to be this amazing event when the heavens open up and the angels begin to sing, and God's going to tell me, this is my will for you. And I wandered around a lot of years looking at the clouds, waiting for it to happen. And it didn't quite happen that way. But here's the thing. God has a will for each of our lives, and God's will for each of us is unique. It's personal. And while God's will for each of us is unique, there are still scriptural instructions to help us all find and fulfill God's will for our lives. Let let me illustrate this to you. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I know Zach talked about these verses a few weeks ago. I'm going to hit it from a little different angle. But in Romans 12, 1 and 2, here's what Paul wrote to the church. He said, I want you to present your bodies or submit your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Number one, present your body as a living sacrifice. What he was saying was, give your life to God and say, God, you direct my life because I believe your plans for my life are better than my plans for my life. Now, we we, we tell you this all the time here at the Bridge Church. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. But the way we begin to enter into God's will and enter into those plans is by saying, okay, I'm going to lay down my will, and God, I want what you've got because I believe your will is better. And then the second part of that, he said, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing, the renovating of your mind. In other words, what he said was, give your life back to God and live as a living sacrifice, and then learn to think the way that God thinks. Renew your mind to his word. In other words, learn the word of God because there's instructions there on how God thinks, how he wants us to think, and how we can begin to navigate life and walk into his will from God's perspective. Now, let let me show this to you. 
Paul said if we give our lives as living sacrifices and if we'll begin to learn to think as God thinks, he said you will automatically day by day begin to live out the will of God. So out of that, let me just give you an illustration of that. Jesus said, you want to follow me? Here's what you do. You lay down your life and you pick up the cross and follow me. In other words, you make your life a sacrifice, give it up to find what God has for you, and then you follow and begin to learn. It's the same basic teaching. And so out of this, here's what I've learned. Finding God's will is not an event. Everybody get that? Turn to somebody and say, it's not an event. So quit looking for the heavens to unfold. Quit listening for the horns and the trumpets. Everybody knows God switched to guitars these days. Amen. (laughs) Stop looking for that event and understand that the will of God is a day-to-day living process. If I follow God and search for what he has for me, I'll walk right into his will. Now... Having said that, it's still true that in our day-to-day living as we walk with God, there are moments when we really need God's direction. There are moments when we really need to feel like God's speaking into our lives what we need for that moment. There are questions. There are times when I'm not exactly sure what I need to do next. And in those moments, I need direction from the Lord. I need to hear God's word, his voice, in a very personal way. So what are we supposed to do? How do we hear God's voice? The truth is, there are so many voices screaming out there. How do we know when it's God's voice that we have heard? Because it's easy to get confused sometimes. Well, this really is where we find Elijah in 1 Kings 19. We're going to read the verses in a few minutes, but let me tell you what's happened. Remember I told you the last two weeks, he says, there's not going to be any rain till I say so. So God hides him at the brook. And then he goes by God's direction to the widow's house. And he stays there for a period of time. And miracles happen there in, in, the, in those Old Testament stories. But now we go the next step because we find that Elijah has now left the widow's house. He goes to wicked King Ahab and he says, God's about to send rain, but you need to know first, we're going to have a contest to prove who the real God is. Now keep in mind, this is a three and a half year period of time that we're talking about here. So at the end of this three and a half year year period, he goes to Ahab and he said, we're going to have this contest. I'm going to end my three and a half year exile. I'm going to build an altar to God. I'm going to call down fire from heaven. I'm going to kill 850 prophets of Baal. The rain's going to start falling to end the three and a half year drought. And then I'm going to outrun your chariot for several miles to Jezreel. And then after all of that happens in one day, How many of you think Elijah might have been just a little bit weary? At the end of that day, he gets a word from the queen and she says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be a dead man. And suddenly, Elijah goes off running 40 days and nights into the desert to hide. And this is where we find this passage of scripture in 1 Kings 19 that a lot of us can identify with. Look at verse number 9 of 1 Kings 19. If you don't have your Bible, the verses are on the screen. Verse 9 says this, And there he, Elijah, went into a cave. He spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, 
Elijah? Let us pause here a moment. I've probably taught from this passage of Scripture three or four times in the last nine years. But let me just give you a little nugget to think about this morning. When God asks you a question, how many of you know he's not really looking for information? You know, it's not like he says, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the answer to this, so I thought I would ask you. It's not like that. When God asks us a question, he usually wants us to look ourselves in the mirror and answer that question to understand where we are and what's going on. See, I love it. God says to him, what are you doing here? Now, if I could put that from God's perspective, God's basically saying, I didn't tell you to come here. I didn't send you 40 days into the wilderness. You know, you got this word from Jezebel, the queen. She's going to kill you by this time tomorrow. You get that word, and what do you do? You take off running because you assume a lot of things, and you have no idea what I have to say about the situation. I think the funniest thing of all is that Elijah ran 40 days into the wilderness, and after he got the word of the Lord, he had to go 40 days back to where he started. How many, how many this morning, you don't want to shake your head and give me a bobblehead because you know, yeah, I've, I've done that before a few times. See, sometimes when we're confused and we don't know what to do, we tend to start running off in a direction, not even knowing what God thinks. Skip down to verse 11. Then the Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. I want us to focus in on this for just a few minutes. because some things I want to share with you. You know, like Elijah, sometimes we act before we think. Sometimes we act before we pray and talk to God about what's going on. And when we do that, it almost always complicates everything. Elijah complicated his life by not stopping and seeing what God had to say. And in defense of Elijah, when you look at all that he did in one day, I can understand why he was tired, he was weary. I mean, he's killed a call down fire from heaven. I killed 850 prophets. I mean, I've done all this in one day. I prayed seven times and the rain started falling. I outran the king's chariot and horses. I am the man. I'm that God's man of faith and power. And it's like, I'm going to go have a celebration dinner. Wherever you go for celebration dinner, Red Lobster. Didn't get much there. Uh, how about Lucille's? How about Thai food, Applebee's? How about McDonald's? Everybody has their place, you know. But here's the point. He gets the word that he didn't expect to hear from the queen, and he runs to hide. Like Elijah, sometimes we want to follow signs. Let me, let me just give this to you, food for thought. He goes to the opening of the cave. The wind blows so hard that it smashes rocks together, and the rocks begin to split. It even carves some rocks out of the hills. But the Lord wasn't in it. Isn't it true that in Scripture the wind oftentimes is symbolic of influence in our lives? Isn't it true that sometimes we have people in our lives who are so influential, who are screaming so loudly that we can't even begin to hear what God is saying, so we just do what people tell us to do? God says, I wasn't in that. 
And then next, there's this earthquake. Well, it's obvious from the circumstances, it's obvious this is what I'm supposed to do. But God said I wasn't in the earthquake either. And then there's the fire. I think fire is symbolic of our emotions. How many of you have ever made an emotional decision and you live to regret it in like three days? Like that car you bought because you just knew you had to have it? Or you just had to have that pool in the backyard and it was wonderful until the second mortgage came due? All that stuff. All these emotional things that we do. God said, I'm not in it. But what God was teaching Elijah that day is a lesson we all need to learn. There are moments you need to hear from God and we need to learn how to hear the still, small voice of God. Because usually, usually, that's how he speaks to us. Now, let me, let me look at a couple of other things here real quickly. Like Elijah, we can be driven by outside pressures and we find ourselves running in the wrong direction or running in place not knowing what to do. How many times have you ever done that? Oh, my God. Oh my, the queen's going to kill me. <laughs> or we take off running 40 days the wrong direction without ever hearing what God has to say. Well, obviously, if the, king, if the queen's going to kill me, I've got to run away. We draw these obvious conclusions, and God's not in it. It's amazing. And sometimes, everybody smile at me. Here comes a good one. Sometimes we become so focused on seeing signs and the spectacular that we miss the simplicity of God's voice and God's will for our lives. You know, Jesus warned us. Paul warned us about chasing signs, chasing signs, chasing signs. We need to learn how to hear the still, small voice of God. So let, let me give you a rule of thumb. In these moments of decision, when we've got to make big decisions and things need to happen, let me give you a simple rule of thumb that will really help you. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. When I was a young man before I went into ministry, I was, I was studying, I was preparing and one day, one of our assistant pastors at my home church called me up and said, hey, I've got to go to L.A. and, and make a hospital call. You want to go with me? I thought, yeah, that's cool. I'll go with the pastor and learn how to make hospital calls. You know, that's wonderful. So I went and got in the car. We start going to L.A. We get on the freeway. And as soon as we get on the freeway, he looks at me and he says, I want to share something with you that's going to really help you in the future if you'll take it to heart. I said, cool, cool, let's hear it. He looks at me and he says, the Lord says, be still and know that I'm God. And I'm like, dude, haven't you got anything better than that? Come on, man. I want to be God's man of faith and power. Come on, you're supposed to be a spiritual leader. Is all you can tell me is be still and know that I'm God? What I didn't understand was what God is saying there is be still and I'll prove to you that I'm God. Sometimes the most important thing we can do, especially when we don't know what to do, the most important thing we can do is just be still. I know for a lot of people, faith is like, well, be still. I'm not going to be still. I'm a man of faith. I'm going to run right into this thing. Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, we like that verse sometimes. But when, when it says, they that wait upon the Lord, that word wait really means to wrap yourself around God. 
the, the illustration, the, the word picture of the word is like cords that are knit together or threads that are knit together to make a strong cord. And it says, wrap yourself around God and his promises and all that he's doing and get involved with what God is doing in your life and then let God lead you from there. Be still and know. Wait upon the Lord because God will direct you from that place. One of the things that's missing in a lot of people's lives is if they've never learned to be still and wait on God. Because we've always got God on the clock. God's service will be over here in, in about 30 minutes. If we're lucky. Y'all didn't catch that one either. If we're lucky. I know what y'all are thinking. That's not, that's not even the Holy Spirit. I just know. Maybe. See, the point I want to make to you is we get God on the clock. Now, God's service will be over in 30 minutes. So by the time I get to the car, that's like 33 and a half minutes. By the time I get there, I know the miracle's already in my life. I've got all the wisdom and direction I need. No, sometimes we need to get still and listen to God. We need to be still. And, you know, God often speaks in that still, small voice, and we need to learn to recognize it. So the question is, how is God going to speak to me? And how is God going to lead me? Well, this morning, I'm going to give you real quickly five ways in which God will lead us. And I'm going to do it quickly. Five ways in which God will lead us. But before I get into this, can I just give you a couple of words of caution? Can I get one hand of agreement? You all are so quiet this service. Okay, you know, the Bible says if two or three agree, if I can just get one to agree with me, we're on our way, you know. Let me give you a couple words of caution. You know, we, we deal with all kinds of people. We're trying to build a big tent here where people who want to follow God can come without a lot of restrictions of, well, you've got to believe just this way and just this way. And, you know, you've got to agree with us on 47 points of doctrine. We, we're a big tent. We're trying to follow Jesus. But let me, let me share something with you. You need to really be aware of hoping God will send prophetic voices along to tell you how to run your life. Because that was never the intent of prophecy in the New Testament. That gift of prophecy, that word of prophecy, it comes to edify us, which means to build us up and strengthen us. It comes to encourage us. And it comes to comfort us. God never anywhere in the New Testament said, I'll use the voice of prophecy to give you my will for your life. A lot of people are running around. Well, I'm going to this meeting. I'm going to that meeting. i got to go see this prophet. i got to go to that prophetess. i got to go here. i got to go there. God will not direct your life by prophets and prophetic voices. That's not the way God works. Smile at me. Okay? Now, there's a place for prophecy to encourage you to build you up and to comfort you, but it's not to direct your life. Uh, a second word of caution. And, you know, last Sunday morning I had a lady come up to me, a sweet lady, precious lady, loves God, and she was telling me how she had this dream and there was a bunch of stuff in it and she just knew there was a spiritual uh, effect to it. And she was sharing it with me and, you know, we just got to talk for a couple of minutes. Throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, there are times when God speaks to people through dreams and visions. But here's the thing. The problem with dreams and visions is you've got to interpret them correctly. And I've heard people have dreams, and I'm like, dude, that was bad pizza. That was not God. You know? <laughs> now, please, I know, I know I'm going to make somebody mad at me. But I've, I've been doing this too many years. 
You know, oh, God told me to leave my wife and marry the woman down the street. Oh, it was so God. My dude, that's not God. That's not God. I'm going to tell you something. If God gives you a dream or a vision and you think it's definitely God, you need to go sit some, down with somebody who's extremely knowledgeable of the Word, who's extremely strong spiritually, and share it with them and let them help you walk out how to do this. Because it's easy to misinterpret those kinds of things. And again, I know some of you, well, I don't like that. But 99% of you are saying, yeah, I do like that. You know, if you're in the 99%, say, yeah, I like that right now. Make me feel better, okay? The reason I'm sharing this is you need to use caution. Because if God needs you to know something that's really important, he'll make it clear that it's important and he'll show you how to walk it out. He won't leave you sitting in the dark. He wants you to know his will. Now that I've made all the charismatics and Pentecostals mad at me, let's go on to the next group, Okay. Five things, real quickly. Number one, number one, God will lead us, number one, by our knowledge of right and wrong. God will lead us by our knowledge of right and wrong. God is not going to tell you to do something that you know is wrong to get to an end that you want yourself. He's not going to do it. And the best way I know to say it is probably this way. God will never lead me to do something dishonest, illegal, immoral, or deceptive to get to his end. God will not lead me to do something illegal, immoral, that is anti-scripture, that destroys all that his word teaches. God will not lead me into those things to accomplish his will. You say, well, why do you even say that? Here's why I say it. I cannot tell you how many people I've met through the years who have made horrible decisions. They've been deceptive, they've been dishonest, and they went about it. And when, when they come to you for more counseling, you say, well, I don't, I don't know what happened. And you ask them, how did you get here? And they tell you all these deceptive, dishonest things they did. And you say, well, why are you doing that? Well, I feel like God told me to do that. That's not God. That's not God. And I'm going to tell you. A lot of the decisions that we need to make in life are simply made by doing the right thing. Well, I prayed and God didn't say anything. That's because you already knew the right thing to do. Well, what about Daniel when he prayed and the king told him not to pray? That's a different thing. That's a different thing. But the average everyday decisions of life, don't go in there and look for a way to dishonestly navigate your way through it. That's not God's will. Do what's right and let God work out the details. Okay? Do it that way. Have you ever heard the old saying, honesty is the best policy? Can I tell you, there is no second best policy. Honesty is the only way. Do what you know is right. Because I've seen too many people shipwreck their lives. They say, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I made this huge mistake, but I don't want my wife to know because if my wife finds out she is going to blow up, it will be like a volcano. And oh, my God, please, please. Can I tell you something? One of these days, your wife is going to find out. You might as well get into the volcano right now than let it get that much bigger when it explodes. Honesty, doing what's right is always the will of God. Number two, another way God will lead us is by his word, scriptures. The psalmist said in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my, lamp to my feet, it's a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. God's word will show us where we're standing 
And it'll light the way to where we need to step next. I preach this and teach this over and over again. You need to spend time with God in his word. Whether it's three verses a day, one chapter a day, whatever your time span is, whatever you can do. You need to spend time with God. You need to learn what's in this book. Because if you want to know what God wants for us, most of the time the answer is right here. Right here. And you need to know what God has to say. You need to know the promises he's made about your future. It's right here. You need to know where there's correction. It's right here. And some people think, well, you know, pastor's always talking about you need to discipline yourself. It's not about discipline. It's about getting along with God. Because Hebrews 4 tells us that the word of God is alive. It's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. How many believe that today? You believe God's word's alive? I mean, I read God's Word, and sometimes it just leaps off the page. It's not dead, dry ink. It's alive and powerful. And if I believe that, I need to treat it as such. I need to sit down and open up my Bible and say, God, I want you to speak to me today. Things I need now and things I need for my future. And you may only get through ten verses, but that's okay. If God speaks things into your life that you need, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because I believe most of the time God will lead us by His Word. I don't need you to read the scriptures for my sake. We put the scriptures on the screen. You need to read the scriptures for your sake so you understand God's will for your life. You know, I, 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 don't, you know, I don't say this a lot, but you know, th- there are days when pastoring a church comes with challenges. There are days when I have to make decisions that are bigger than me. One of the things I've learned in, um, is on my most difficult days, when I've got tough, tough days ahead of me, or if I've got super busy days and I'm being stretched, I will open up Proverbs, words of wisdom, to the proverb for that day. In other words, today's the fifth day of the month. I would open up Proverbs 5 and just read through it. And I'm going to tell you something. On my difficult days, almost always, I will find something in the proverb for that day that gives me wisdom to handle that day. God's not trying to hide his will from you. But we need to open up his word and see what his word has to say. Number three, God leads us by his peace. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. How many of you know when you don't have peace about something? Miss, Miss your hands. How many kind of know, man, I just, I got this feeling in the pit of my stomach. I am, I'm, things are not, something is not right here. Did you know one of the reasons God puts his peace in our hearts is to help us navigate challenges of life? Let me illustrate this to you. The, let the peace of God rule in your heart. In the original writings, that word rule means let it umpire. It's a word from which we get our word umpire. Let the peace of God umpire in your heart let the peace of god say yes that's a ball yes that's a strike this is fair this is foul this is in play that's out of play this violates the rules this accepts the rules see i've learned and i know i've had a lot of years to walk with god but i've learned over the years over and over again when the peace is destroyed i need to get alone with god and find out why is the peace destroyed and it goes back to that first thing we shared 
be still and know that I'm God. If I'll get still and get alone with God, he'll show me. You know, I've, I've told you guys the story a number of times, but I'll just refer to it quickly. When I was young in ministry, I was traveling back in those days, had a musical ministry, and I was speaking and so forth. I had an opportunity to, to do a, a musical project with this well-known Christian producer. And it's like, finally, I'm going to write all this material, all these songs. He's going to produce it. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to get famous, and I'm going to be able to go all over the country and maybe all over the world. All these great things are going to happen. Yay, God. And down in my heart, something's going, eh, you better not do this. Better not do this. I've told you the story. I wound up almost $15,000 in debt, and it took me about five years to pay it off because right in the middle of all of that, God changed my whole flow of ministry and put me in a different position. Because I wouldn't listen to him, even though I had good reasons that I thought it could work otherwise, because I didn't listen to God, it hurt me a lot for years. It hurt my family. If I just listened to the peace, life would have been so much easier. Let God's peace umpire in your heart. Let him show you when you're on track and when you're off track. Number four, fourth way God leads us is through godly counsel of other people. I cannot tell you how important this is in my own life. I have pastors and minister friends that I spend time with, especially when I'm going to make major decisions, people that I trust my life with who can help me see things from a lot of different angles, sometimes some angles that I don't see in my own. And one of the things that I've done through the years, not just with my pastor friends, I've done it with business people right here in our church. I, I was talking with a, a businessman here in our church who's involved in, in, in an ex extended way with city government. I was talking to him this morning about some issues and things that we as a church are going to be dealing with. Several years ago, a lot of you don't even know about this. You weren't around or we just didn't say a lot about it. You know, back about eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, we were this close to being upside down here at this church. When the recession hit, we were paying $265,000 a year in taxes on our property. We were this close going under. I got a group of our businessmen together from different walks of life. We sat down and discussed it. We put together a plan. And the amazing thing is, in about four months' time, God turned the whole thing around and we saved a quarter of a million dollars a year for about five years. It kept this church afloat. It's because there were people who were smarter than me who knew how to address those things. And, and let me just give this to you. Proverbs 1.5. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Here's what I've learned. When you don't have the answer, you may know someone who does. And you need to go talk to them. You need to go talk to them. Proverbs 25 says this, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. Have you ever noticed when you go talk to somebody who's got a lot of experience or somebody who's, you know, really well-traveled or they're really wise, have you ever noticed how they just don't spew everything out at once? Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So the first thing I said was, if you don't have the answers, you need to go find somebody close to you who might have your answers. Second thing is, you need to ask lots of questions and draw out what they know but here's the problem with that proverbs 16 18 says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall you know why it is we don't go ask people for advice because we're too proud 
Boy, one amen would make me feel so much better right now. Isn't that human nature? Well, they're going to think I'm stupid. You are. You don't have the answer. It's okay. I love to go tell my... I, I was with a friend the other day, a minister friend. And he, I mean, he is, he's one of the smartest guys I know. And, and let me tie this together, okay? I got just enough time to do this. When I need something from somebody that, that I don't know and I don't, I don't have the answer, you know what I do? I say, let me take you to breakfast or lunch or dinner and buy your dinner. I, I want to take you. Some guys, I say, let me get you on the golf course. I'll pay for a round of golf if you'll just open your heart for a couple of holes and give me some advice. And I told this friend of mine Friday, I said, I'm just a stupid idiot. I don't have the answer to this. What do you know about this? And he just laughed at me. He said, you're not stupid, not totally stupid anyway. He gave me a little bit of an out there. But my point is, there's nothing wrong with sitting down and saying, I don't know. Can you help me? It takes humility to do that. It takes admitting I don't have all the answers. God loves it when we admit we don't have all the answers. There was one man in our church. Years ago, I went to him with a business question. Poured out my heart, asked him 17 questions. I got finished. He looked at me. He said, I don't know. But I got people who work for me who know. I'll set you up with them. He said, I'm not that bright of a businessman. I just surround myself with people who know stuff. You know what? Surround yourself with people who know stuff. They will be a blessing to you. And and then number five, the last thing. God will lead us by his Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit drops things into our spirit. You know, Romans chapter 8, there's, there's so much good stuff in Romans chapter 8, talking about being the children of God and being heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. But one of the things that Romans 8 tells us is God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. You know, every now and then, even at unexpected, unexpected moments, it's like God just puts his arms around you and pulls you up close, and all of a sudden you just sense the presence of God, and it's like God saying, I love you and I'm proud of you. Hang in there. I love those moments. But the thing is, when God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, when God's trying to get information to us by his Spirit, he doesn't speak here. He doesn't even speak to your mind, your will, to your emotions. He speaks into your spirit, and suddenly you know something And then you try to figure out how to put it in words. God does that sometimes. Let me give you some illustrations of that. Just from the book of Acts, Philip was given instructions by the Holy Spirit to go up and get in the chariot with an Ethiopian eunuch. And he did so, and it it did amazing things down the road. Peter received instructions from the Holy Spirit. Remember when he saw that sheet let down from heaven and he was contemplating it, you know, and going back over all that God showed him? It says the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, there's some guys coming up to your gate. They're about to knock on the door right here in the middle of your nap time, and they're going to want to talk to you. You need to know I sent them. Go with them and follow what they need you to do. Holy Spirit showed him that. The Holy Spirit gave the apostles wisdom for the Gentile church, how to deal with the difference between Jews and Gentiles. And the apostles said, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit to make these decisions. God will help you in those moments. Holy Spirit did not permit Paul to go to Asia when he wanted to go. Holy Spirit forbade him and said, no, don't go. There was a man named Agabus, twice or at least twice in the the book of Acts. You see this guy, he's a prophet. And once he came to Paul and says, you know, if you go to Jerusalem, the the Gentiles are going to, or the Jews are going to bind you up hand and feet. They're going to deliver you over to the Gentiles. But Paul, Scripture tells us, he was led by the Spirit and he was bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, to face that moment. The point I'm making is, 
There are times when the Holy Spirit gives us instruction. That's one of the ways he'll speak to us. But he drops it into your spirit, and it's a knowing. And by the way, can I tell you, if it's a word from somebody, if it's a dream or a vision, whatever it might be, if the Holy Spirit gives, gives you a, a sense of, I need to go in this direction, the Holy Spirit will never disagree with the Word of God. Never, ever, 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 ever. Never, ever. So I've shared these five things, five ways God will speak to us and lead us. And I want to encourage you today. You know, there's been a couple times in my life where I felt like God showed me something in the night laying on my bed. And they were impactful moments and they've been important to me. You know, there have been times when the Holy Spirit has dropped things in my heart. But i got to tell you something. Most of what God says to me, he says right here, and I learn it from, by taking time with him and letting the word just jump off the page and become a part of my life. Let's take the edginess and the spectacular stuff out of the way. And if God wants to do something spectacular, great. But let's follow God and let God speak to us in that still, small voice. And let's learn to recognize it. Because that's normally how he's going to speak to you. You may as well learn the voice of God. And in closing, last thing. If I take all of this today and I bring it back to one thought, we need to learn and be still and know what God is saying to us. We need to learn to be still and hear from God. We need to slow down long enough to get God's wisdom and direction. And there's probably some of you sitting in the building today. You know, you, you came here, friends invited you, or however you got here. Maybe you're not even in a relationship with God, but you've listened to this today and you've thought, you know, this is all new to me, but it would be cool to know that God wanted to give me wisdom and direction for my life. Can I tell you, He does? You, you, you may be sitting there thinking, you know what? This all sounds great, but I, I don't want religion. I don't want to give you religion either. But I'd love to introduce you to a God who wants to be your father, who wants to bring you into relationship where he's involved in everything going on in your life and he walks you into the better plans he has for you. I'd love to help you start that relationship. Because the truth of the matter is, 2,000 years ago, God put his own son on a cross and took everything that was wrong with us and put it on Jesus, his son, so that everything that was right with him could be poured into our lives. Your past is paid for. Mistakes, they're paid for. But the blood of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And all God needs from you is an open door invitation that says, God, I need you in my life. Please come into my life. Maybe as you've listened to me today, something inside of you is stirred and you've thought, man, that, that sounds great, but I, I just don't know about all the other stuff and the trappings. Can we set all the other stuff aside for a moment? Tell you God loves you. If something's turning inside of you, that's probably the Spirit of God trying to bring you into relationship with Him. It's God saying to you, I love you and I want to be your father and I want you to be my child. And now God's saying, can I come in? Can I get involved? We need to say yes to him. And the way we do that is through words. You can put a religious label on it and call it prayer, but prayer is just communicating with God. What I want to do today, I want to help you begin that relationship with God. 
I want to lead you in a prayer. Actually, I'm going to ask everybody in the building to pray it together. Lead you in a prayer. Makes it easier for everybody if we all pray it together. Will you just open your heart and say, God, come into my life. I want, I want to learn your ways. I want to know you. I need you in my life. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads close your eyes. I'm going to ask everybody, you don't have to scream it, just speak it out loud, but everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I want Jesus to become the Lord of my life. So I welcome you today. From this moment forward, God will be my father. God, I'll be your child. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, as I finish, here's the deal. If you've been away from God and you've been the prodigal on the run, or maybe this is the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, this is the most important decision you make in life. Because it begins to settle the frustrations of doing life alone. Brings you into the will of God. Brings you into relationship with God. It also brings the knowledge that God's got eternity in his hands. It's settled in your heart. But here's the thing. This is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We want to help you get started walking with God. So to begin that journey, we've got a little tool, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week. It's a little bit for each day to tell you how much God loves you and how he wants to be involved in your life. It'll help answer some questions and help you start building that relationship with God. I want to give it to you. There's two ways you can get it. When we're finished in a few minutes and we dismiss, there'll be some prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone about any need. But if you can just walk down here with one of these prayer teams and say, hey, I prayed the prayer. Can I get the booklet? They'll give you that booklet right there, no strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. Maybe you want prayer for something else going on in your life. They're here to help you any way they can. If you're in a really big rush, the second thing you could do is you can go out to the glass doors as you exit the building. There's a big table set up there and a sign that says the next seven days. Just stop by there and ask for the booklet. The next seven days, they'll give you the same booklet there, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started working with God and start building that relationship. Okay? Hey, can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? God bless you.